Hi everyone, I'm Bambal Seraklis and welcome to the Interim Leader podcast from Odgers Interim, the UK's leading provider of interim management services. Usually around this time of year, we take a look back at the last 12 months and look forward to what the new year may have in store. But as we all know, 2020 has been no ordinary year. We do, however, finally have some good news with the announcement that a working vaccine against the virus that causes COVID-19 could begin to be rolled out as early as next month. But although calls for hope that a potential return to normal may not be too far away, we know that in the short term, not much will change. Stricter measures aimed at controlling the second wave of the pandemic have returned. So at least for now, remote working continues. Things are likely to get tougher as we enter the winter months. So what impact will this balancing act between fatigue and hope have on an organization's culture, both now and in the future? And what can we do on both the corporate and personal level to look after ourselves and one another as the days get shorter and the wait for a return to normal goes on. To help me answer these questions, I'm delighted to be joined by the leadership and culture expert, Jane Sparrow. Jane started her career in the corporate world where she held roles in a number of large organizations, including IBM and Sony, where she was director of engagement and change. She founded the Culture Builders in 2011 and has since worked with companies around the world, helping them to put greater emphasis on their culture, people and performance. Jane is also a published author and most recently published a special edition of her book, Bank of Me, that addresses the impact of remote working in the context of both 2020 and beyond. Jane, thanks for joining us and welcome to the podcast. Great to be here, Bambos. Thanks for the invitation. Now, I was just thinking the last time you and I spoke was um, probably late spring, early summertime. I think we were coming towards the end of what I'm now referring to as lockdown one. Um, but things were slightly different. The sun was shining. I think we both agreed that after our call, we were going to go out and have an ice cream separately, obviously. But in many ways, things have moved on in some cases um, and in other cases have stayed the same. But what I wanted to start by asking you is, how are you? Great question. Great question, because it's one that so often we ask of each other, don't we? And then we almost always answer good or fine usually fine in the UK. And it actually, it's just a filler word for, for getting on with the conversation. So I'm going to answer it properly because that's what I've been telling everybody I work with and all of our clients to do. So I am feeling very grateful that I am where I am and I'm in good health today. And that's the basis of everything. I'm feeling hugely grateful for the work that we're doing and optimistic that lots of people now are starting to look to the future. And even though there is still a lot of unknown, people are beginning to realise that they need to control the controllables and and look to what is possible rather than what isn't. So there's a a degree of optimism that I'm feeling, although, of course, healthy anxiety, too, because I don't want to get sick. (laughs) Uh, Let me let me take you back to the beginning of the year, because unlike most of us here in the UK, you got early sights of potentially what was going to come. Um, quite a few of your clients are, are around in Asia. I think you've got a couple who are actually in China. So, so did you have early signs of, of, about how this year was going to pan out? I, I guess what we experienced was in some way early signs, but then what we didn't realise was the extent of what might be coming. What happened for us was that I came back mid-January from Hong Kong and, and China. And I remember getting off the plane with a a transformation plan for one of our clients. And within three days, I'd torn it up because I suddenly realized that 
the world was not going to be the same for them for quite some time. And, and the level of support that I was giving and we were giving was much more about getting them through and leadership support and emotional support rather than huge business transformation. And, and what I think happened then that I noticed when I reflect back is that we just got on that journey with them. And then I remember at the beginning of March thinking, oh, no, this is about to hit Europe. And this is going to need a lot of support for businesses again and human beings within businesses. And, and of course, what's happened is that our clients with, within China and that region are now, I, I believe, you know, in a different place to, to many people in Europe and particularly in the UK, because, of course, they're, they're coming out the other end almost in many cases, albeit not fully. There are still things they have to think about which are different, but there is a definitely a degree of optimism there when I talk to our clients in, in China in particular, where, where we, I know, will get to, which is part of what fuels that response I gave you to how do I feel, which is optimistic, mm-hmm. because I can, see, I can see what is possible for many of those businesses and, and education groups and so on that are based in China that are, are able to look to the future now. Yeah. It's interesting you, you use the word optimistic. I think mood is something important and has been important both on a on a kind of individual and collective basis over the last the last few months. And and you've seen that fluctuate, I guess. Well, well I certainly have. And and you know, interesting for me, the um, the tone of my conversations with my clients has changed. I can probably put it into in, into three phases actually of lockdown, post-lockdown, and that, what we have been experiencing uh, since the summer. Has it been the same with with your clients from a, a leadership and a, and a culture perspective? Yes, it has. And what we describe is that there was that hiatus of almost adrenaline-fueled working style and teams coming together. So many exec groups I work with that said, gosh, we were absolutely amazing in terms of our bond. We had our crisis call every day. And then we kept that going instead of every day, it's every other day. And and actually, as a team, we learned more about one another during that adrenaline-fueled first three months than we could ever have done in any other environment. What what we then saw, though, was that that adrenaline, you know, after the first three months started to, to reduce. And of course, what is coming in now for many people is exhaustion. And one of the things that I fear for 2021 will be a trend is real burnout of executives. At a senior level, I, I believe that we are going to see, if we're not careful, lots of people suffering health issues as a result of this year. And and really that warning bell should be going now to say, look after yourself. You know, just because you're a senior person doesn't mean you're a superhuman. Look after yourself, your own human bank of me, as I call it, but also role model it for others. Because we know from many of our clients, unplugging is a massive issue at the moment because people are just trying to do what they can to get their businesses um, you know, over the line for the end of the year and get sales through and, and satisfy clients. And it is going to have, I think, a big human cost if we don't get hold of it now. So that, that's one thing. And then if I may just comment, Bambas, on, on your comment around this last phase, because I, I refuse to call this lockdown. And I know you didn't, <laughs> but so many people and the press in particular, it's lockdown 2.0. And, yeah. and we and our team just don't talk, don't talk about it like that because we are not on the front line. You know, we are not experiencing that level of uh, of kind of crisis point in the same way others are. It is not lockdown 2.0 because at the moment, as we record this, children are at school. 
There are many people doing business in a way that they couldn't originally. So yes, it is having a, an enormous impact for many people, but I don't feel the word lockdown is helpful to our, our emotional state around what's happening. And so using a word that is, is better for where you are in your business, I feel is a much healthier way to make sure that we don't unnecessarily take people down into a very dark place about where we are right now. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, one of the big differences from lockdown one and whatever we're going to call it this time <laughs> around is the weather, I guess, is, is, is the environment. And, um, you know, just on, on, on that whole mental and physical um, health and well-being, we were all encouraged to go out for walks and it was a lot easier when the sun was shining. We can do it after we, uh, we, we finish work in, in the day or even during the day. Um, looking out my, uh, uh, my window now, it's getting dark already. Um, it's getting colder. What are the what are the, the, the tips that you are giving to leaders and their organisations to get them through these next next few months? It's funny. I was smiling as you were saying it's getting colder and we were able to go for walks because every day the the, the words of wisdom from my mother in law ring in my ears, which is Jane, you're waterproof. <laughs> and and I always remember that because she's totally right and. And I go out rain or shine, actually, right now. Thankfully, I have dogs, which means that I do have a reason to go out. But what I am saying to people is go out as much as you can. Yes, it's colder, but you, you should have warm clothes. So therefore, go outside and still walk for 15, 20 minutes if that was helping you last time. Now, of course, you need to be safe. Don't go out after dark if it's if it's not going to be safe. But but definitely bringing in those little breaks within the day, even though it's winter, are still important. You know, getting if the winter sun is out, getting out and getting that sun on our face and getting that air in our in our lungs becomes even more important. And at the same time, the other thing I'm saying is be kind to yourself because we really do need to make sure we're looking after ourselves before we can help other people. And, and I do know that lots of people I work with are so giving as leaders or just as humans, they want everybody else to be okay. And actually that can, can come at the detriment of themselves. So it's kind of be kind to yourself, be kind to others and find those moments of joy in your own life each day that might not be as big as they were but look for the small bits of joy and help others see that joy. You know, what can you do each day to pay it forward? Small little things. And it might be as simple as just reminding someone that what they did yesterday had a really positive impact on, on the project you're working on. The other thing that I'm, I'm seeing too is that the, the idea of setting challenges for one another or for a team. And so you may have, have heard, there's a lot of people doing 100k or 150k challenges for, for this period that we're in at the moment until early December. Whereas a team, they're saying maybe we're not all going to run 100k in the next three and a half weeks, but as a team, let's run 100k or let's cycle 150k. So we'll all do what we can. One person, maybe for them, the achievement is one and a half k. Brilliant. That goes into the pot. And so setting these team challenges, which which, as we know, if you're part of a team doing something, gives you a bit more of an oomph and a bit more motivation than it would do on your own. Mm. Now, we talked about phases before, and I guess we're just about to start another phase now. Now that we have hope, now, now that we can see, see some light at the end of the tunnel, uh, the announcement of not, not just one vaccine, but, but two vaccines and potentially more in the pipeline as well. But... In many cases, nothing has changed on a day-to-day -day basis because we still can't get back to our offices. We're still 
working working remotely. The chances are post um, Christmas and New Year, they will be coming in and out of restrictions again for the uh, foreseeable future. So, so there's almost this um, this battle between fatigue and hope. And what what advice would you give to teams? What advice would you give to businesses and, and leaders and, and chief execs to get them through this next three to six months? And I guess what impact do you see that having in, in, on culture in, in the short term? It's interesting you mentioned the culture in the short term because. What I'm definitely seeing at the moment is more organisations, more leaders realising that they can't put off the the culture conversation. And and actually, the the, the real thing that we're seeing is many saying, hmm, we need to get much more intentional about our culture because that is something that we're going to be uh, needing to be strong even more in the future than we do in the past. And so so some of the the more forward thinking people we're working with are saying, right, okay, how do we get intentional about our culture? And what do we want our culture to look like in the future, given that actually there is no going back to the office ever in the way there was for for most people, because a new way of working has been found. You know, new talent are being brought in from different areas of the globe because they can join teams remotely. And people have have the mindset that says, hey, that's brilliant. We can have that person. And we can have them if they're in the Philippines because we, we can use the tech. So I don't think there's a going back, there's only a going forward. And therefore saying, what, what do we want our culture to evolve towards is really important right now. And, and for some, by the way, that prompts the question, well, what is our culture at the moment? And so we're doing some work actually codifying cultures at the moment to say, this is what it is at the moment. This is therefore what you want to think about moving forward. And And when we talk about culture, as you know, we talk about three pillars. So we talk about what is it we believe in as an organization or as a team or as a person? How do we behave? And and does the way we behave align to that belief? So our belief, our purpose, our values and so on. But but does our behavior align to that every day? And then the third pillar is what we use, which is the tools, the systems, the processes and the environment. And and are those things supporting that belief and behavior? And and I think at the moment, the challenge I would give to anyone listening is how clear are you on what you believe as a company or as a team? Are you seeing the behaviors in this current world that reflect that? And do you need to overhaul some of your systems and processes? And what's the environment going to look like to support that moving forward? And, And really challenge yourself to ask, are you thinking about that enough? Because it's been so much, understandably, the here and now actually, let's get on the front foot and let's think about what do we want 2021 to look like so that we can be the best businesses we can and have the best humans that we can within them. Mm. Out of interest, have you had clients say to you that they won't be returning to the office at all? Even even when this is over, they're moving to 100% working remotely or working from anywhere model? We've had some talking about it. Uh, In reality, the majority will be using physical space again. But I do believe that the, I would say 90% of the businesses and organizations, because some are not-for-profits that we work with, are looking at different ways to use their space. Mm-hmm. And, and looking at what's the, what's the value being in one space really gives people. And it's about connection, it's about collaboration, and it's about creativity. It's what it isn't is somewhere to come and sit and do your emails with a pair of headphones on. <laughs> um, and so therefore, what, what lots of the, the exec teams that I'm with are saying is, again, what do we want the culture to be? And then what does the physical space 
need to look like and what's the role it plays to support that culture in the future? And how do we support things like diversity and flexibility so that we can have the best talent, we can retain the best talent, we can bring people in in different ways because we're not all about the office in the physical sense. Yeah. You mentioned adrenaline before. And certainly if I look back to those early months, um, a, a lot of people in our team, um, a lot of people in um, with with clients were were getting through with with adre- adrenaline. There was almost a, a weird sense of excitement, which which led to creativity, which led to good ideas. Now, a lot of my clients are, as you know, within the creative industries. We have clients uh, where um, sales teams are very prominent in what they do. How, in the short term, over the next three to six months, do we lift those types of teams to to recreate? I guess the buzz and the energy that you need from a creativity and a sales perspective? It's an interesting one because I'm not sure we can ever recreate what we would have experienced a year ago. And so if I take, for example, one of the businesses I work with where they want a BAFTA, that's something they've wanted to do for years. And yet they won it and they couldn't celebrate in the way they would normally have celebrated. And I yeah. remember all those years ago when it was kind of like, imagine if we could win a BAFTA. And when I saw the news, I was so excited for them. And then I thought, oh no, but normally they would have gone and had beer and, sh- and you know, they couldn't. And, and so I think we have to accept just the way that we connect, the way that we celebrate, the way that we lift each other has to be different. And that's okay. Let's be okay with it. And let's find ways that are better than nothing. Because what I'm finding at the moment is a lot of teams have gone into the, well, we did connection and and it was great over the summer, but now we've kind of got a bit boring doing the same thing. So people don't turn up. And and actually let's just find new ways of bringing new new energy into each team. And and you mentioned sales team in, in particular. It's really important, I believe, to keep those moments of, of well done, we did it the high five moments that high performing teams are great at and and doing that virtually can be done it just takes more intention and so you know calling somebody up and saying hey brilliant i heard you you know you hit that target yesterday or you 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 were out with that client yesterday and it really had an impact is more important in a virtual world than it is in a physical space where you would say it anyway as you walk into the the room together and similarly, bringing people together to, to share trophy moments. So you mentioned Asia, actually. One of the things that one of our clients in, in Hong Kong has said that has really kept them going this year is the, the thing we started at the beginning of the pandemic, which was trophy moments. And these trophy moments were where we, we said to them, just at the beginning of your team meetings, talk for three or four minutes about the things you're proud of. And it wasn't the whole team. Two or three people would just either voice up or someone would say, right, you know, Bambos, tell us one thing that you've learned in the last week, contributed, are proud of. And at the beginning, it was a bit, hmm, I'm not sure I want to, to say because they're not big things, they're only small things. Mm-hmm. But over time and over this year, it's got easier for them. And they're saying, you know, that gives us a bit of positivity to start the week. And, and it's not difficult, but it becomes habitual. So I think it is looking for what matches your culture, but mixing it up as well, so that it's not the same thing each time that people get fed up with. Yeah. Now, one of the positives to come out of all of this, particularly in the early months, was the feeling that this was a bit of a leveller. So everyone was working remotely. 
Um, everyone was using Zoom. There was no some people in the office, some people out of the office. Now, if we were to move to a hybrid model, as, as many organizations will, does it make it harder for chief execs and leaders of teams to manage the people that they're responsible for? Having worked for 10 years globally, I've worked with plenty of teams that are used to working in a hybrid model. And what they get good at is working through how to make it work. You know, especially if you're in a global team and you can't come together that often, you find ways of making it work. What it requires everybody to do is be intentional and and to be mindful of involving others. And that has to become part of the belief and the behavior in the culture. So I think it can absolutely become a a very, um, I was going to say acceptable, but that's not what I mean. It can become a very high performing way of working, a hybrid model, if those that are together remember that there are others in their team that are remote. And so give you an example of, of one really practical technique that has worked with a couple of teams we've, we've uh, tri- trialed it with. And that's that when they, let's imagine you've got a team of nine and, and four of them are in the same physical space and the rest of the team are remote. And the team of four that are together, what they did was that they put nine chairs in the room. So there was a chair for each of the people that were remote, even though they were via Zoom. And what it did was just give them that nudge, that reminder that they were not the only people in the meeting. And that in particular, once they'd clicked end meeting, if there was any ongoing conversation or side conversation as they left the room, that it would be useful for the others to know about, someone would take responsibility to WhatsApp them and say, hey, just to let you know, we talked about this as we were leaving the room. So there are some very practical things that can be done that work, but it won't just happen if you go, oh, we're, we're, we're in one place and we've got some people remote, isn't that lovely? You have to go, well, how are we going to make this work? Because it can work, but only if we all part, play our part. And equally, for those that are remote, the part they have to play is to say, hang on a minute, I need to know more. Or I don't feel included. My ask is. So mm. there has to be a speaking up code, I believe, to make a hybrid model successful. Which some people find hard to do, I guess. Completely. It's, 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 yeah, it's, it's something that we'll all need to learn on both sides. I, I agree, Bamelson. And actually, to that point, the other thing that I, I think we all need to be mindful of is both speaking up, but also giving feedback or, or insight, as I prefer to call it, to one another, because that's harder in a virtual world or a hybrid world as well. And it links to speaking up. But it is that, again, dialing up that need to say, hey, that was great. Keep doing it because it had an impact, as well as hey, that was great. And how about if you course correct by trying it this way? Mm-hmm. Because all of the natural way of doing that when you're in a physical space where you just get that nonverbal feedback about how, you know, is what I'm saying landing or, or is it complete and utter rubbish? Yeah. None of that's happening through a, a screen. And, and so that's the other big thing I feel we all need to be mindful of. It's allowing people to speak up, creating cultures where team members will speak up, but also growing that, that feedback muscle and really mm. using it, both giving, seeking, and receiving. Just on that, and, and, and another strand um, to consider, uh, we talk a, a lot about people going the extra mile. And, and I think when you're in the same physical space, when you're sharing an office, 
sometimes it's a bit more obvious to see who is going the extra mile. Sometimes it's about putting in, putting in more hours or you can see what they're delivering whilst they're in the office. What advice would you give to people who will move to, I, I guess, a, um, a week whereby they're working most of the time from home? How can they show the people in the team? Um, how can they show the people that they're reporting to that they are going the extra mile and, and, and they're doing extra? It's, you know, it's the type of stuff, I guess, which gets noted when appraisals come along, when um, salary reviews come along. It's a great question. And there are so many answers to that, aren't there? Because it's a bit like when people say to me, can you come and help with our culture? As if they want me to wave a magic <laughs> wand and yeah. it's all going to fall into place. And I say there's lots of small but significant things. It's more like fairy dust. And it's the same thing with, with, with that area that you're you're exploring there. Because for me, the, 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 the answer is multiple in that as leaders of people, we need to be asking them, what have you been up to this week that you're proud of? Where do you feel you made the biggest contribution to, to our vision or to our, our goal this week? And ask and genuinely be interested in the answer. So I think there's that. There's asking the right questions, but not just doing it at appraisal time, doing it on a regular basis. It's kind of we call it in-game kind of feedback and conversation. The other thing for, for others, though, is to, is to not be afraid to make sure that in the most authentic and natural way, you do mention some of the things that you've been doing, but not to, to sort of say, aren't I fantastic? Much more around, you know, if someone says to you, it's where we started, how are you? Maybe use that opportunity if you've got something to say, to say, do you know, I'm feeling fantastic because I just got a bit of feedback from one of our clients that they said, blah. And, and that doesn't look like you're blowing your own trumpet, that English phrase, it can just be a very natural way of, of talking about something you're proud of, but without doing it in a, in a really sort of, um, hey, aren't I great way. So for me, it's about finding different ways that feel authentic of talking about what you're doing, not because I want to show I'm brilliant, but because actually it's important others know because they're not picking that up. And it might be that I say, oh, do you know, it was brilliant. This client just told me that this really worked for them and that you can learn from that. And so it's an important interaction to have. Now, we're coming towards the end of the year, Christmas, um, New Year's parties. I always dread going back in early January, you know, but very dark mornings, uh, the train journeys in, um, always a bit of a nightmare. I guess we won't have the train journeys this time round, but we'll <laughs> still have that feeling of it's a new year and we're in the same place. So just to, just to bring it all together for us, and I guess um, to summarise too, what three bits of advice would you give to chief execs about leading their teams and their organizations in the early months of next year? What a great question. Number one, I would say vision. And I mean vision with a big V and a little v. So really upping the conversation formally and informally. So the big kind of town halls, as well as the the I was going to say the in the in the lift conversations, but there might not be many of those. But the small conversations that we have about the vision. So the big vision for the company, the big vision for the organization, the big vision for the division, talking about that a lot and energizing people around it and giving them that belief that it is still the vision that we want to go for. Our purpose still hasn't changed. So definitely do plenty of that and plenty of the small vision. You know, the vision for this month is this. Or the vision for this team still remains 
this. So we, we, we have to dial up that imagine when, but I dream of kind of language for a start, number one. Number two, keep connected. So lots of CEOs we work with, thankfully, have been brilliant at keeping connected to people. We've got one who still now calls five people a week to say, hi, how are you? What's happening for you in your world? It would have been very easy to stop that in September, but, but he didn't. He kept going with it. And so keeping connected both formally and informally and keep listening to what people are feeling is, is my second thing. And then I guess my third is, is having the honesty to talk about performance of the business and the ask of people, but the, the humility and the empathy to, 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 to say, I know that many of you are already working over and above. And, and therefore linked to that is encouraging people to look after themselves and to really focus on, if you're really focused on delivering what we need, then we will succeed. But give yourself permission to unplug, to disconnect, so that when you're focused, you're really of value to, to us and yourself. When you're unplugged, you're properly regenerating so you can push again tomorrow. So there's probably another 15, Bambos, but off the top of my head, <laughs> they're, they're three I would give. We'll come back to you in the spring of next year for an update. <laughs> um, Jane, thank you so much. Always insightful. Always a pleasure. Uh, thanks again and take care. Thank you for having me. Thank you to everyone who has joined us for this episode of The Interim Leader. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please do like, subscribe and follow us for more insights from our network of consultants and interim leaders. 